Well, this evening, we're going to be in Genesis. I'm going to come out of the, the uh, look in Romans for a bit and go to Genesis. We're going to talk about something this evening that's, well, most people don't like to talk about uh, because it has such a, a rough part to it. We're going to talk about caskets. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, most of you know by now that I will uh, give help to uh, Kevin Duesenberry. You know, he, he have, often needs uh, some assistance going to retrieve a loved one or uh, drive a hearse or even do a funeral for someone who was not a believer, uh, but the family wants a preacher there and such. And and uh, but that's become the the funeral parts become fewer and fewer. I don't know if you ever noticed that. More people are just they're being cremated, and then sometime down the road there's going to be a memorial. And I, I personally have an issue with that. I think there needs to be closure. That's just my opinion. I think that you know God buried Moses, and so I'd like to be buried. Uh, a lot of, you know, it, 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 a lot of it because the casket's so stinking expensive. You know, they're really expensive. Uh, I would say this. I went looking into it recently. Uh, you know, I'm a woodworker, so I thought, okay, what if I, could I make a casket that would be affordable? You know, a nice casket, you know, and, uh, a wooden casket. And they, you know, they have, there's, there's, things about them and so by the time you get all the hardware just for a casket, not counting the wood, you're at four hundred dollars. You know, then the craftsmanship, the wood, etc. So, you know, they're up there, but you know, oh my goodness. You can spend a lot on caskets. I think that's just a lot of part as people just anyway. Uh, here in, in Genesis, we're gonna talk about a uh, not necessarily a casket, but indeed the casket. Uh, a coffin, so to speak. Um, but giving us a little groundwork, Genesis chapter 50 is where we're going to be at. Many of me now go, oh, okay, I know now. But Genesis is a book, it's, it's known for, uh, it, it's the book of beginnings. You know, in the pages of Genesis, we find first mention of so many things. Well, it should be. It's the beginning of creation it's the beginning of all kinds of things so we find first mention of things that we're familiar with in life like sin first mention of sin is there first mention of death is in genesis first mention of marriage childbirth prayer rain first rain you know that must have really freaked out noah's neighbors it's raining you know, uh, they weren't, they, I don't know, I can imagine never having seen rain before when it started to come out. Were they concerned? They what does it do? They don't know. But also, it's a book that ends quite differently than it begins as well, Genesis does, you know. It begins with creation, it ends with a coffin, you know, the, the, the book of Genesis begins with life and it ends with death. It's a really, I mean, it's, it's, it's an 
a rather odd situation the way this book is, but it's a blessing. In our text this evening, we're confronted with the, the death of one of Bible's most uh, spectacular men, a man by the name of Joseph. We often know his story. We, we read and we, we study and we preach and we've, there's Bible stories and accounts. There's all sorts of things that, that we go on his life and everything. Um, but one of the things we should think about is in this look of Joseph and in this information we have of Joseph, there really is a clear portrait of Jesus Christ in his life. In the passage here, Joseph, he's ready to die. He's 110 years old. And as he lays dying, he gives a commandment to his brothers that they're not to bury him in Egypt. They're to carry his body to Canaan where the Lord visits him and brings him out of Egypt. There's a promise there. So let's read this. Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse number 22. Well, actually, let's go to verse 32. Otherwise, we'll be reading a lot. I am, wait a minute, I got the wrong. There isn't Joshua. Okay, you remember when I told you about you get a new Bible? And yeah, Terry, it's King James. But you get a new Bible and all the pages are messed up. And I'm so unfamiliar. You know, my the Bible I've used since I was ordained has Genesis ending right where it does. And now it doesn't in this one. And it's messed me all up. Okay. Yeah, it's so, uh, see, look at that. Genesis ends there normally, and now it's over here. I'm all kinds of twisted. All righty, I'll get used to it, though. The other one was falling apart. Praise the Lord, that's a good thing. But all right, Genesis. Genesis, yes, I did have right notes. Beginning in verse 22. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived in 110 years, and Joseph saw Ephraim's children of the third generation. The children also of Machir, the son of Manasseh, were brought up upon Joseph's knees. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessedness of your word. We thank you for the very truth of it. And Lord, Although at this point this would seem like just history, let us also see the promises. Let us see the very truth and the encouragement that we can get from just these few verses. Even these, Lord, you're so most so careful, careful to record for us so that we know you've always kept promises. We thank you for loving us, and we pray and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So there it is. You know, um, Joseph made, a, made his family uh, 
bury him, or excuse me, not bury him, put him in a coffin, embalm him. I'm, I'm glad for that because it's going to be quite some years. Uh, and read your scriptures. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But he's going to be placed in a humble coffin rather than put in a, a pyramid, possibly. You know, uh, one of the things, I mean, after all, he was, he was the right-hand man to Pharaoh. A lot is going to change in the next few years uh, for them. But indeed, he's, he's put into a coffin. He wants that. He wants to be buried in the land. Now, if you go back in earlier in Genesis chapter 23, you'll find when Abraham buys the land, secures the land to, to bury Sarah. And uh, all of that, that's this very same place. And so he wants to be taken home to that, not left in Egypt. Interesting thing. Joseph, look here in verse 29, or excuse me, 25. He took an oath of the children of Israel. All right? He made the promise, he made the oath, saying, God will surely visit you. Ye shall carry up my bones from hence. Now, I'm thinking, put yourself in the, in the thought of Here they are, Joseph's brethren and all their families are enjoying life. They're in Goshen. They're they're doing well. Remember, they came to Joseph because of the famine, because of all the problems. And Joseph brought them in and Joseph treated them as if they had done nothing wrong because Joseph had said, who am I? Am I God to do this? No. And so Joseph, they were living good. They're living well. So it may have come to, to them in some sort of an odd way when Joseph said that God will surely visit you and shall carry you or carry up my bones from hence. It's like, maybe some were thinking, why would he do that? And is that really something we want? Because we're really much, we're pretty much enjoying ourselves here. This is, this is the, this is, not the land of milk and honey, but we're doing all right. Well, we know that it was not the land of milk and honey, and we know because we are indeed, you know, holders of the word of God, the copies of the word of God, and we know that what indeed happens, but we know that this is a promise that God made before these folks even realized they needed that promise. They had no clue what was about to come along. You know, I mean, after his death, all that remains of Joseph is a coffin in Egypt. All that he had built with the Pharaoh, or for the Pharaoh, I should say, all that he had built, everything is about to come tumbling down. All there is, is a coffin. And that coffin stood as a testimony, all right, to attest as a testimony to the faith that Joseph had in God. What God had told him he would do, he would do. And that was his matter-of-fact faith. You notice it doesn't say, and if, if you leave Egypt, please dig me up and take me with you. If you do this, no, he said, God will surely, surely visit you and you shall, shall carry up my bones from hence. Now, for 360 years 
at that point, that coffin, which contains the bones of the great patriarch Joseph, it served as a powerful preacher to the people of Israel. All they needed to do was see that coffin to know that there was, there was a deliverance coming for them. If they just but remember what was told, the promise that was made through Joseph by God. Now we know that, you know, the, the nearly 400 years or 360 years that they were in bondage and things got so much worse until we get, you know, get to the point of where Moses comes on the scene. Uh, there was a lot of struggle, strife, etc. There was a lot of things, but that coffin, that casket still served as a preacher, so to speak, of the promises of God. All they need to do, it reminded them. That's the preacher's job, to remind you. Indeed. Now, you, the Lord has used some pretty interesting, I'd say strange, but you might laugh, preachers over the years. You know, uh, he has. For instance, he used a donkey to preach at Balaam. Can you just, <laughs> that would have taken a little bit of, you know, shock. But he used a donkey to preach to Balaam. He used a rooster to preach to, preach to Peter. All right, there's a tongue twister. He used a rooster to preach to Peter. Yep. He used a dove to preach to Noah. So rather interesting. So the Lord uses this coffin filled with a dead man's bones to preach to Israel about a promise that he made to them. So I want you to know tonight that Joseph's coffin still has something to say to you and I. It does. We're going to take a look and, and we're going to, I looked at the three, four points here, the messages that, that it's going to tell us. We're going to see if we can find out what this coffin says for us tonight. Well, first, it, it preaches a message of passing. All right, among the, among the words, there's probably likely a lot more words that Joseph Shared. He knew he was dying, so he had opportunity to get a lot of things out. But among the words of Joseph are the words of his own mortality. He knows that he's going to die. I think every one of us knows that at some point we are going to die unless the Lord shall come for us in the trump and the shout and we're raptured up. We all know that. Um, and after he does, his body's placed in the coffin. And the message is to all that see it that God will answer the promise. But they also, the message is that, folks, we are all mortal. We're all mortal. And we are going to pass away unto death. Well, the message that we need to hear today for you and I is simply this. You know, we're most likely not going to live to 110. Amen. You know, <laughs> We're in, I, was, I was doing a little research in prep for this. Do you know the, the uh, oldest human being alive today, unless he died since this afternoon, uh, is 117 years old in 31 days? It's a Japanese fella. And by the name of Kane Tanaka. Boy, happy birthday, Kane Tanaka, 117 years old. But I don't think 
most of us are going to live to 110. I don't know that too many people want to. If you know, I'm I'm part way there at 57. I'm going okay. There's enough. If you ratio up the the pains and aches and squeaks, I can't imagine what he's putting up with at 117 years old. But anyway, the fact of the matter is, we're all slated for death, right? I mean, it we just simply are, and. Um, it's going to happen to all of us. Now, here's the interesting part. Also in, in reading, this was earlier in the week, in, in reading, I, I came across a poem a little, I always like to look for some common things that have a theme to go along with them. And there was a, a story of this poem about our life and the fact that we do die. And it says this, and on this on this tombstone in a cemetery it was engraved in the family had engraved in this poem pause stranger when you pass me by as you are now so once was I as I am now so you will be so prepare for death and follow me and that's wonderful. That's like, yes, amen. Well, the story goes on that someone had scratched in underneath that, scratched in the following two lines. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> Maybe you've heard that before or seen that before, but I thought that was great. I like the first part. It sounds like you know, if I knew this person was a, a Bible-believing Christian and trusted the Lord and Savior, I think, wow, how profound is that? Pause, stranger, when you pass me by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so, will, so you will be. So prepare for death and follow me. I think that would be what every parent who has trusted the Lord would want their children to know. They would want to pass along. We can't take anything with us but our children, our loved ones, you know, etc. But indeed, the very thing that there's a, the message in this casket is we are all mortal. You know, in the light of, of the truth, the fact that we're all mortal, we, there's two things that must, must be remembered in this. And that is that life is a time of preparation to meet God for eternity. This life, the time we have now, is really nothing more than a time of preparation to meet God in eternity. How are we doing? Are we preparing well? And second, if you're going to serve the Lord, well, today's the day to start. You know, start serving the Lord. <laughs> the Bible makes it clear that it's foolish. It's foolish to bank on the hope of tomorrow. It really is. It's not promised. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what day may bring forth. Amen. You don't know. Think about that, that fellow that was told, Oh, I've got all you're shown. You know, I've got all these barns. I'm going to go and add more. And no, his life was required of him that evening. You know, we don't know. Tomorrow is not promised. Yesterday is already gone. So what does that leave? Today. Today. Well, the, the, the coffin also preaches not a, just a message of passing, but a message of promise. You know, as Joseph lays here and he, and he is dying, he impresses upon the, 
the, those that were there amongst him. He impresses upon them that God himself will visit the people of Israel and he'll deliver them from Egypt and take them to Canaan. Now, again, at this point, they're wondering possibly, how strange is that? We were to be delivered from Egypt? We love it here. This is our home. This is, this is the best place we've ever been because they just didn't know what's around the corner. They had no way of knowing what's around the corner. Does anybody here know what tomorrow is going to bring for them? You know, I, I have an inkling, uh, uh, you know, that likely, okay, I'll wake up in the morning and go about my business and do what I do. And, you know, but hey, it's not promised. I started off with saying I'll wake up in the morning. I may not. You know, I may wake up in heaven. Amen. You know, we don't know what's promised. Tomorrow certainly isn't. But this coffin is a constant reminder to Israel that there is hope because God made a promise for the future. Hey, we have hope. God has made a promise for your future, for my future, for those who've trusted in Jesus Christ. We have that promise. We have we have better than a coffin. We have an empty tomb. Amen. Amen. I, I'm so glad, you know, you think about it. Israel, Israel waited. Somebody, somebody was charged with keeping track of Joseph's bones, his coffin, for over 360 years. That's a lot of somebodies. That's a lot of somebodies. And that was just the promise so that when they get delivered out of there, they then have to cart those bones and take them into Canaan. Well, I'm glad to know that, you know, we're not keeping track. God's keeping track of us. I'm glad to know that we're not going to cart Jesus' bones. We're going to see him as he is face to face. And he's going to have a body. We're going to have new glorified bodies like unto him. What a blessing. You know, for Israel, the coffin of Joseph, it stood as a constant reminder that Joseph died in hope of, well, the absolute hope of God, you know. But all, all the great deeds of this man's life are considered for mentioned by the Holy Spirit. Think about it. All through God's Holy Spirit, by inspiration, he gave all of the, the deeds that he deemed important of Joseph's life. But it was the greatest act of faith, the greatest act of his faith, his command concerning his bones that God would bring them out someday was given even through Holy Spirit to Paul. Paul wrote, you know, in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Joseph. Now, it'd be interesting. By faith, you could, you could, you could have thought, okay, we're going to go through the faith chapter, the hall of fame of faith. You know, by faith, Joseph knew not to sin 
with Potiphar's wife. By faith, Joseph knew not to hold anger towards those who enslaved or enjailed him. The, by faith, no. That's not what it says. What the Holy Spirit recorded for us about Joseph is by faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. All that we talk about about Joseph, the coat of many colors, how his brothers didn't like him, how they thought he was thinking he was better than them, how all these things we, te we teach about Joseph and we talk about Joseph, we sometimes we skip over the fact that, no, 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 probably the greatest thing and that God wants us to remember too is Joseph, Joseph made mention of the departing of children of Israel 360 years before it even needed to be done. You know, so we have something far better than a coffin full of bones. We do. We talked about this. We, we see our own death growing closer every day. You know, we, but we have an empty tomb that we have hope in. You know, Israel had hope they would one day carry Joseph's bones to the promised land. We have a hope that our Savior has already conquered death for us. Amen. Already done. And he'll return again. John chapter 14 is very clear in that. I, I, you can't read John chapter 14 verses 1, 2, and 3 without realizing that, yeah, here again is promise, promise, promise. And what encouragement we should take from that. Let's go to John chapter 14. This is the most common. I mean, it's in just about every funeral. It is in any time we speak of the promises that God has made. We look for it. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, and we know he did, and prepare a place for you, we know he does, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I, I love, I support Israel. I should because God's people, they're God's people still. And so I do support them. I do, but I'm thinking to myself, I have got it so much better. Because for me, the Christian who has trusted in Jesus Christ, I know that he's coming personally for me. Amen. And that he is coming for me. And when, when he comes for me, that I will be where he is. And then I have other scriptures that say, where they quote Jesus, and lo, I am with you always. I like that. That's a blessing. I don't have to worry about dragging his bones. I don't have to worry about whether or not someone lost him. Uh, think about this in antiquities. Archaeologists all the time are digging up things in Egypt and all around you know that area because the they can do that because the the climate and the way the soils and such it preserves everything that may have helped 
in, in keeping you know, Joseph's bones a little more intact over that, even though they embalmed him. But indeed, they're, they're going through, and even in the Middle East now, you go into Jerusalem, and there's places where they, they make a statement of, well, this is the tomb that Jesus was laid in. Who made that promise? Who made that proof? You know, at some point, all right, so on that, we call it Easter morning, on the resurrection morning, did someone come out there and go, oh, now, wait a minute, before you guys all go, let's get a, let's get, somebody get over here with a chisel and a, and a tablet, let's get a picture of this, so we know this is the one, this is the tomb that Jesus was laid in, we're going to make sure, and this is the, the shroud that was laid over him. And this is, you know, all of these, you know what? I guess maybe it's helpful for some to have those thoughts. But all I know is it is fact because God can't lie. God's word's always correct. It's a fact and God can't break a promise that he's coming for me. And I don't, it does not really matter that he was laid in this tomb or that tomb or that one because he's not there. I don't have to worry. None of us, none of the disciples were tasked with, okay, make sure my bones go with you after I die. None of them. No, why? Because he knew he would rise from the grave. You know, and he may come before, uh, for us before we even face death. You know, in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes it this way, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hear all the shalls? There wasn't a might in there. There wasn't a maybe there. There's a message in there for sure. And there's a message of patience. In, in Joseph's dying words, he gets back to, to Genesis 50 now. In Joseph's dying words, there's a mention of the fact that the children of Israel will be forced into slavery. Just the mere mention. All right, it wasn't, it, you don't read it in here, no, by the way, you're going to go through struggles and strife and you're going to have 360 years of absolute terror and horror and slavery and an, an indentured servanthood. No, but it does mention this. Joseph took an oath, verse 25, of the children of Israel saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from hence. Why would God need to visit him? Look in verse 24. God will surely visit you, bring you out of this land unto the land in which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So it's, it's there. Why would God have to bring them out? So there's the mention, all right, of it. And so there's patience mentioned that they have to have. When Joseph died, Israel was there in favor of Egypt, right? But Exodus chapter 1 tells us exactly how Israel was forced into bondage. I mean, you go down, for us it's the same page most likely. You know, you just go on right down there, look at that chapter 1. 
after we get through with all of the uh, descendants and the children, etc. Therefore, verse number, well, let's just go verse number 10. Ah, verse 8. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt. He knew not Joseph. So there's been some time past. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on, let us deal wisely with them. Not wisely like we would say wisely. This wisely is like more like Schmecker or wise guy. Let's be, let's be a little bit sneaky. But deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they, also, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, so to get them up out of the land. Therefore did they set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh's treasure cities, Pithom, Ramesses, but the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. So we realize, okay, that whole thing started. Here, go back up just, for you and I, it's a minute's reading. But time has gone by from the time Joseph died. So Joseph died being 110 years old. And they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And then we find, well, here comes a king, and he didn't even know who Joseph was. Time changes. We think about this in our country. You know, I'm often lamenting the fact that, you know, what has occurred? What have we done or failed to do that the America that I was Robbie's age living in is so different than it is today? The America that I lived in in Robbie's age is different from yours if you're much older than I am. All right, so much different. You think about it, you know, uh, well, you just forget about something. You walk away from it or you turn it down. And I can only cringe at thinking, what? What will this nation have for laws 50 years from now? Oh, my goodness. When it becomes mandatory that you change your gender. Who ah just mm. even so come Lord Jesus, you know in all this patience is being taught. Joseph's teaching patience to Israel. Well, the Lord's coming soon. Amen. I believe that. Uh, I just believe what Revelation twenty two twenty says. Behold, I come quickly. Amen. It preaches a message of possession as well. We'll finish with this tonight. Joseph's dying words were a reminder of the Lord's promise, promise to give Abraham and his descendants the land of Canaan. That was the promise. It was a promise never realized during the life of Abraham. It wasn't realized during Isaac's life or Jacob's life. In fact, the, the only land that they owned was that burial ground. That, that Abraham bought for Sarah. Even though they nor Joseph ever owned any land, it was there and they were going to go there someday. Now, obviously a lot of people will be going and fleeing out of Egypt, etc. And we'll see that. We go through this. But uh, when we think about this, we've got a promise of some land as well. It's called glory land. Heaven. I'm looking forward to getting home. 
I am. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I'm looking forward to it, but I, I do know, I do know that until such time as he calls me home or all of us collectively home, we've got work to do. We have work to do. It's not the same thing. We're not, our work doesn't mean, okay, we're going to keep track of the casket. We're going to keep track of the bones. We're going to make sure they come with us. No, our work is making sure that others know there's no bones in the casket because the tomb is empty. That's what our task is. Our task is to make sure that folks realize, that this world realizes that Jesus Christ is indeed truly the one begotten Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, the one who died for their sin just as he died for ours. You know, I'm looking forward to that. There was a young fella. He was sitting in church with his grandmother and uh, the preacher said, how many of you would like to go to heaven tonight? Just about everybody raised their hand. Except for that little kid. So the preacher says, no, no. How many of you would like to go to heaven tonight? And the little kid is the only one not to raise his hand. So afterward, the preacher said, well, son, don't you want to go to heaven? He goes, oh, I thought you was meaning tonight and you were getting up a load. <laughs> Well, hey, I'm, I'd be happy with going tonight, amen? Uh, but I'd also be happy to be busy for however much time the Lord gives me. I'd be happy to know that there is no casket. Uh, you know, the, the casket, by the way, somebody's minding caskets. We put them in cemeteries all around our nation, all around the globe. And someday, those bones... They will come and knock him. Amen. Those bones will be given, will be resurrected up, and we given a new glorified body. Now, I don't know the particular details. I'm not sure, you know, that kind of boggles my mind too. Well, how's that gonna be? I don't know. I just trust. Just like just like Israel. Well, why would we need deliverance? I don't know. Just trust. Why are we keeping Joseph's bones? We're going to be here forever. Nope. Joseph said that God's going to visit us and we're to take his bones out of here when we go. Okay. With the very simplest of faith, that casket in Egypt speaks to us today even. I don't know how he's going to give me a new glorified body. I don't have the engineering behind all that. I just know that God says he will and therefore, done deal. A new glorified body. That old coffin down there in Egypt delivered a message that I can, I can identify with. That's a promise. It's a message that speaks to hearts. It's a message that speaks to everybody's situation if you trusted Christ. And that is new glorified body. There is a promise. He is coming. He said he would. He is indeed. And he is right now while we're doing what we're supposed to do here, which is what? Go ye into all the world. Right. Okay. While we're doing that, he is preparing a place for us. Amen.